My name's Scott. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, I, like you, apparently dodged the sickness bullet. So uh, if you came here uh, from uh, the couch or the bed and you've made it, we're really glad you're here. Uh, if you came here today and this is your first time here, I'm really glad you decided to join us. Um, this Wednesday, Wednesday night at 7 o'clock, is the beginning of what's known as Lent, L-E-N-T, not L-I-N-T, not the stuff you pull out of your belly button. Uh, Lent, it refers to the lengthening of days as the, we're getting more sun, but it's a, a, a time, uh, time period in the calendar when as Christians around the world, we just pause and examine, I, I like to call it spiritual spring cleaning, we just examine our lives. And so we kicked that off with a service called Ash Wednesday, it's very short, it's for the whole family, we'll be in this room at 7 o'clock, kids, students, about 35 minutes or so, we'll sing some songs, a short message, uh, and then, then you'll get an ashes on your forehead, you'll be reminded that from dust you came, into dusty returns. One of my favorite services of the year, and I invite you to be here on Wednesday uh, at 7 o'clock. But we're really just glad you're here. We're in week two of a series called Overcoming, and as part of uh, what we do each week, we look at a passage of Scripture and what it means for our life, and I'd invite you to stand with me if you would. We're going to read it out loud. I'll read it, uh, and it'll be on the screen. You can follow along. If you have a Bible, I invite you to open it, leave it there. We'll be looking at it throughout uh, the rest of this morning. This is from the Apostle Paul to the Christians in a part of Turkey called Colossae, and to us. Chapter 3, verse 1. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. I sent out an email, I, I uh, have an email I sent out on Saturday, just if you want to get it, and you, you see an email from me come through on Saturday, and you go hit delete, maybe you want to read it after I tell you what, about it, what it's about, but I sent just kind of some of my thoughts, and, and there's always some links in there that could be helpful to you uh, that I include in the email, and, and I sent out a message yesterday, some of you I know read it, and uh, I said in it, I said, listen, I, I try not to do this, I try not to overhype what's happening on a given Sunday. Now, I believe that when you look into the scriptures, you look into God's word, and you apply it to your life, it's life-changing in, in every best sense of the word, but I, I want to over, not oversell, and so I said uh, in my email yesterday, I said, listen, now listen, I'm, I'm not trying not to overhype, but what we're going to talk about this morning, today, could actually change your life, and I, I really genuinely believe that. If you take uh, what, what Paul teaches us here, and what is actually all the way through the scriptures, uh, if you'll take it and apply it to your life, I promise you, you will live a different life. Uh, and what we're talking about, um, we started last week, this series, Overcoming. Um, we talked about talking uh, about you and the things that you face in your life. And, and if they were pictures and you had a hashtag that was on the pictures of your life, hopefully the hashtag of your life could change from whatever else it was to I shall overcome. And I've seen some of you on social media this week posting that, like, I shall overcome. I shall overcome. When, when painful things happen in your life, when bitter things happen in your life, when there are unpleasant things that happen in your life, when there are overwhelming things that happen, if those scenes could be a picture and you could have put a hashtag on those scenes, for some of us, those hashtags are I quit or I'm done or I, I don't have the ability to make it anymore. But I'm hoping that through this series that um, the hashtag that would be on those scenes of your life would be, I shall overcome, I shall overcome. Uh, in fact, the Apostle Paul said it when he wrote to the Christians in Rome, uh, Romans chapter 8. He said, listen, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. In other words, you can overcome. It doesn't, the, the sentence on your life doesn't have to be, 
I'm going to fail, and this is just going to go all kinds of ways bad. It can be I shall overcome. So today, what we're going to talk about as we work our way through Colossians chapter 3, why why it is that change is so hard in our lives. Uh, I don't know about you, but I find that it's easy for me to point out the other things in people's lives that they need to change. I I can tell you my wife's faults right now. She could tell you mine. I could tell you my kids' faults. I could tell you anybody in my life's fault. I can, I can name them. They need to change this, and they need to change that. When I turn the spotlight, though, onto me, and I look at me, you know what I instantly recognize? Changing me is awfully hard. Uh, this is the time of year when people who made New Year's resolutions start to let them go, and 8% of people who make New Year's resolutions, according to statistics, actually follow through. So that means 92% of people right now go, well, another year, I failed again. Uh, I just heard someone at the gym the other day uh, saying to someone else in between sets, they said, man, I sure am glad it's February. That means all the people who started to the gym in January are gone now. (laughs) (laughs) Because what happens with people, I want to suggest they're not doing the wrong things. They're just starting in the wrong place. Because if you knew where to start and you knew how how to plan for change in your life, then you could actually see change happen in your life. In fact, uh, learning where to start is what makes the difference. Now, what what is it that makes that difference? Well, uh, every year in the fall, uh, we take our staff and some of our volunteer leaders to uh, a a day and a half long leadership training. It's called the Global Leadership Summit. It's put on by a church in Barrington, Illinois, and it's broadcast to the sites all over the place. uh, um, We've gone to a church, a sister church of ours in Valpo that that hosts it, and uh, it's a cheap thing, but they it bring in world-class leaders from every sector. It's a faith-based thing, but uh, not everyone who's there is a Christian. It's a power, power, powerful day and a half. In fact, if you're interested in that, let me know, and I'll, I'll give you the details on it. Great. One of my favorite events of the year. But one of the speakers this last time was a guy named John Maxwell. John Maxwell is probably one of the, the top 10 or so gurus on leadership in the world today. He's written many, many books. And he, he said something, and it, it, it so pierced me that I've been wrestling with it ever since the fall. And it applies here because it's about what makes the difference uh, from us wanting to change our lives and not being able to. But this is what he said, so, so insightful. He said, most people have uphill hopes, but downhill habits. They want good things in their life. Oh, man, I want to be healthy, and I want to love people, and I want to forgive all the the hurts that have come against me, and I want to do better financially, and I want my family to be close. Uphill hopes, right? Everybody's got them. But downhill habits. Our habits don't line up. We don't start in the right place. Because you know, like I know, all of the things worthwhile in your life that you want in your life, they're uphill. You don't get a strong marriage unless you go uphill. You don't learn to be a good parent who loves your kids and weathers their storms and is a secure spot for them until you go uphill. You don't change your life financially without going uphill, right? Everything in, worth, in life worthwhile is uphill. Uh, but, but the problem, here's where we start wrong. We start with our hopes. I hope I'll be healthier. I hope that I'll live a better life. I hope that I'll be more loving. But if you want to add something to your life without an actual plan to get there, you're, you're planning to fail, aren't you? That's exactly what's happening. It would be kind of like if you won a custom home and you went to talk to the architect and the architect sat down with you and you're thinking, I'm going to go in and now I'm going to pick out the blueprints that I want for my home He's going to show me all these different options, and it's going to be really exciting. And you walk in, and the architect says, you know, we don't need a plan. Uh, and he takes you to Lowe's, and he gets some uh, two-by-fours and a box of nails and some drywall and some plaster and some paint. 
takes you out to a lot and starts laying it out, and you go, wait, 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 what are you doing? Oh, no, no, this is, it'll be fine, it'll be like this. It, but that, that's how many of us approach change in our lives, isn't it? We don't have a plan. We start in the wrong place. We, we, you need it at some point down the road to get the two-by-fours, but you better have a plan first, right? Well, what is a plan? A plan is simply thinking. Because here's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, this is where change starts. You have to think about better things. This is what Paul teaches us. You have to think about better things. Now, the Bible actually has a lot to say about our thinking. In fact, in all of the letters that Paul wrote, uh, which make up the majority of the New Testament, he wrote letters giving his best insight, encouragement, and advice to Christians trying to live out God's way in the world. And in every one of those letters, in some shape, form, and fashion, he talks about how we think about ourselves, about God, and about life. And uh, it's what we're going we're gonna to look at today. What he says about how we think. Now, I was reflecting back on my life, and I was reflecting on the pivotal moments in my life when I either did better or did worse. And what I recognize in reflecting back on that is that every one of those times I can, chase, I can, I can trace to a change in my thinking about myself or my circumstances or about God. I remember one time when I was a freshman in high school, uh, I was trying to follow Jesus, and I was a freshman in high school, and there were a group of students that had started a, a Bible study in, in the library uh, at the lunch hour, and I was in the lunch hour, and I was sitting there with these students around a table. And one of the girls who was an upperclassman who I looked up to and admired, and um, she turned to me, and she started to talk to me about me and how she saw me and the kind of person that I had and the gifts that I had and the personality that I had. And the words that she spoke to me lodged in me, and they changed the way that I thought about myself as a 15-year-old boy. I, what I discovered was that the words, and this is, a, this is a thing to take away, especially for parents, the words that we speak become thoughts in people's minds, right? And you lift them to a different place if you give them different thoughts. This is, there's a power in the way you think. I'll say it to you like this. We'll throw it on the screen. I will never change my life until I change the way I think. You will never change your life until you change the way that you think. In fact, the writer of Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament said it like this. See which one's you. Wise thinking leads to right living. Stupid thinking leads to wrong living. You know, which, which, one, are, which one are you choosing right now? Wise thinking or are you choosing stupid thinking? So here's what I'm going to do. We're going to talk uh, just briefly about kind of a, a, an understanding from the scriptures or a theology about thinking. And then I'm going to give you five really practical things that you can put into practice this week, along with one kind of significant challenge, uh, that you can put into practice this week to begin thinking about better things. Ready for that? Want that? Okay. Here's the first thing, uh, an understanding what the Bible says about thinking. Um, here's the first thing. Everything begins with a thought. Everything begins with a thought. This is why Paul says at Colossians chapter 3, the beginning, he says, listen, set your hearts on things above, set your mind on things above, start, start your thinking in a different place, and that's how you'll rise above. Now, we talked last week about rising above your circumstances or sinking below your circumstances. You will never rise above your circumstances unless you're able to think above your circumstances. You cannot change your behavior without changing your thoughts about your behavior. That's why I think it's very important that you think about what you're thinking about first thing in the morning. 
I, I'm, I'm really careful about this. Uh, in the mornings, I uh, get up and um, I read scripture and I pray. And I have some way that that's the first things that I do in the morning. I'm, kids get ready for bed, get ready for school and all that. But I, I don't want the first thing that I do to open my email and find an email that sets me off. <laughs> I don't want to open my phone and look at a text that gives me bad news right out of the gate. I don't want to look at Facebook and find someone who posted something that I disagree with and it makes me mad. I, I don't want to do that because, you know, if you go to those things first, they set kind of the tone of your day, don't they? So if you could instead say, I'm going to think about something different. Now, some of you wake up grumpy in the morning, uh, and one of the reasons you wake up grumpy in the morning is because of what you think about first. That's the first thing that you do. Now, everything begins with a thought, including the process that God wants to do uh, inside of you. This is what Paul says to the Christians in Rome, Romans chapter 12. He says this, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed, be changed, overcome, make things different. Where does he say you start? By the renewing of your mind, by, in other words, by changing the way that you think. It all begins, everything begins with a thought. That's, a, that's the first thing. Second thing is this is what we think determines how we feel. Now you say, oh, that's not true. That's not true. You just feel things. You know, my, my wife did this to me and I felt that. Or my kids said this to me. Or my mom said that to me. Or my boss did this. Or the economy's this way. That's, I felt something. You can't tell me it's my fault. No, no, no. No, no, no. Listen. Those things are not responsible for how you feel. How you think about those things is responsible for how you feel. How, how do you know? How do I know that? Well, there are other people in your exact kind of circumstance, and they don't feel the things that you feel. And this is one of the key principles to overcoming. We'll, I'll talk, tell you, talk to you about it every, every week of this series. If someone else in some other place in your circumstances can overcome them, that means that it's possible, and you can too. That's absolutely the case. So, uh, y- we, need to, we need to develop a, a filter for our minds. Now, here's my big request for you, okay? Because I think this is uh, so important because of so much of what we put in our, uh, in our minds, uh, how, what we think determines how we feel. I want you to feel a different way for a week, but I've got, I've got to ask you to do something big, okay? Don't normally ask you this. Um, I'd like for you for a week to fast, meaning stop, all media for a week. So, uh, no Instagram, no Facebook, right? A lot, of, a lot of men are like, yeah, all right, thank you. Give my wife back. Uh, if you're a student, no video games, so don't shoot anybody or game with anybody or get on Xbox Live or any, don't, don't do any of that. Uh, don't, no news, uh, movies, uh, music that's, you know, basically uh, secular music of any sort, um, Go to the movie. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to say be legalistic about this. Do as much as you can because maybe for work you need to engage with some of that in some way. But I, I want you to get rid of all of those inputs, all those things that are coming into your brain, bringing certain feelings. I, I, have you ever had this happen? You're in a good mood. And I'm on Facebook, and one of the reasons I'm on Facebook is because I want to be a positive voice, and sometimes it's a cesspool. And I feel like as in my role that I need to be a positive voice, and so I try to be funny or something thoughtful, hopefully, or whatever. But sometimes I get on there and I read things, and I'm in a great mood, and then I read things, and I'm like, I'm really mad right now. <laughs> I don't know if anybody else feels that. Uh, but, but what I'm asking you to do is to, to fast all of that 
And, and it's replace everything that you do with media with one thing, with worship music. So turn some music on in your home. You, if you can't sing, you can hum along, right? If you can sing and you know the words, you sing along. Uh, but you're going to, in your car, you're going to play music uh, at home. On, if you, you want to use your phone, use your phone to play music. Because what a lot of you do is you use your phone to absorb stuff that just makes you feel terrible and makes you feel awful. And I'm not asking you to do this as some great spiritual sacrifice or some way to honor God. I'm just saying do it as a test. And here's what you will find out. That how you think determines how you feel. This is so true. Uh, the Apostle Paul said it to the Christians in Philippi, Philippians chapter 4. He said, if you'll think about things that are true and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable, excellent or praiseworthy. And he says, if you think about these things, these kinds of things, fill your mind with those kinds of things. Listen to what he says will happen. Read, read that last phrase with me. And the God of peace will be with you. How you think determines how you feel. I, I, want, I want you to have peace in your life this week. So we're not going to have any social media on our social media channels. I'm not going to have any social media. Um, we'll post later today uh, um, some options for some music that you can, if you don't know um, what albums you could listen to and you can stream them on your phone. If you have Spotify, you can find worship music on Spotify. If you're over 40 and you don't know what Spotify is, ask someone under 40 and they'll tell you <laughs> what Spotify is. Um, I'll post a sign later. I saw it at a coffee shop later uh, today that'll kind of help you think about it. But after tonight, then just go dark for a week. Anybody game for that? Anybody willing to do that? Yeah, a couple of you? Okay, all right, all right. Th uh, this is a third, third kind of reality about the, the Bible's take on, on thinking. Um, our thoughts uh, determine our destiny. Maybe you've seen this before. The first place I saw it, I'm getting ready to show you. Uh, if you were here in the summer, Dr. Scott Dooley, who's the hospital administrator at Kujip Nazarene Hospital that we support in, in the highlands of Papua New Guinea. Uh, we've been friends since junior high, and I saw what I'm going to show you at, on a poster in his parents' bathroom in the, when I was in junior high, right? So I've seen it for a long time. It's always stuck with me, and I ran, came across it again this week, and it just made so much sense. I want to share it with you. This is what it says. Sow a thought, reap an action. Sow an action, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a lifestyle. Sow a lifestyle, you reap your destiny. See, where does it start? It starts with your thoughts. It ends with your destiny. Now, listen. If you don't like where you're going, change how you're thinking. It's an uncomfortable thing to think about, but you are today where your thoughts have brought you, and you will be tomorrow where your thoughts are taking you. Did you know that? You have incredible power over your life. Now, you may say, well, that sounds like just a bunch of positive thinking, and what do you, you say? No, no, this is exactly what Paul is saying when he tells us to set our hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. He's saying, listen, put your heart and your mind where you're headed. Because that's what, that's where, you, if you put your heart and your mind where you're headed, that's where you're going to end up. Your thoughts have incredible, incredible power. Now, how do we make this, uh, how do we make this practical? Let me give you five uh, just practical things that you can do to think differently about your life and think better, think about better things. Um, here's, here's the first thing, is that uh, I, I hope you'll find a plan to control your thoughts. Find a plan to control your thoughts. What do I mean by that? Well, for many of, many of you, the internet owns you. Yeah? Uh, your phone, uh, and I, I'm guilty of it sometimes. Your phone, you're like, oh, I got to check again for the 73rd time if anything new happens. It owns you. And so someone else has a plan 
for controlling your thoughts, not you. But here, let me suggest, let me give you one really, really simple way to begin to control your thoughts and to get them, have a plan for controlling your, your thoughts. Very simple. Read the Bible. Just read the Bible. Read the Bible. And what will happen when you read the Bible, because what I've found, and, and any of you who have read the Bible for a long period of time, you'll agree with this when I say this, the Bible is like Lake Michigan. You can wade in, and it's really shallow, but the further out you go, the deeper that it gets. I have never yet exhausted the Bible. I, I still learn things. I still get insight, deeper, richer, better, truer, more accurate insight, the more I get into it, not the less I get into it. It's one of those kinds of books because it's inspired, we believe it's inspired by God. And it will change, it will begin to change how you think. It will take your negative thoughts and your doubtful thoughts and your ugly thoughts and your selfish thoughts and your dark thoughts, sometimes your demonic thought, thoughts, and it will replace them with a different way of thinking about yourself and about God. And you will find that you live a different kind of a life just from reading the Bible. Listen, the Word of God is not like any other book. It's powerful. It has the power to change how you see yourself. It has the power to change how you see your world. It, it's not like anything else. In fact, the writer to Hebrews in the New Testament, it, he made a testimony about it. I'll read it to you in a second. And, and if you read the Bible a lot, you'll agree with this. The Word of God is alive and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates and divides your soul and your spirit. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. You in, here's what happens when you read the Bible. You start out reading the Bible and you find out that, that God through the Bible begins to read you. And you find your actions and your attitudes and your thought patterns, you find them critiqued and changed and helped and corrected. And so you let the Bible read you. Now you may say, I don't really know where to start. Well, um, you can download the YouVersion app, Bible.com. Uh, if you want to use your phone, I read the Bible on my phone a lot. And there are multiple plans on there. You can pick a plan. I'm on the chronological plan, reading my way through the Bible in a, in a year. I'm taking a little longer than to do that just because I want to. But you, you can follow one of those plans. Uh, if you need a physical Bible, you can get the one-year Bible, and that will take you through in a year. You can just stay at it. You can read through the whole Bible. But read the Bible, and then read the Bible. And after that, read the Bible. And one more time, read the Bible. Do that. If you want to go, well, how do I do that? How, do I, how would I make up? So you're making a plan to control your thoughts. I'll give you a simple plan for reading the Bible and beginning to apply it to your life, the message that God's going to speak to you through it, through your life. Take 15 minutes, and uh, five minutes, you read, read the Bible. Read the Bible. Uh, for five minutes, get a worship song, um, and then for five minutes, you pray. There you have a plan on how to spend time with God, okay? So you've got to find a plan to control your thoughts. Second is this, is you've got to uh, find a place to think your thoughts. Now, what do I mean by that? I mean that you've got you've to carve out some space. It might be a physical place, but some space in your day to turn the volume of everything around you down and turn up the volume of what God might say to you uh, and make it louder, make it more accessible. Um, the, the word that we use for that is very simple. It's just prayer. Now, that seems overwhelming to some people because they think that prayer is saying these correct words and these correct phrases and this correct order and that God will like them. But you don't talk to any of your good friends that way, right? You don't call them up and say, oh, I said that word wrong. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me re-say that word to you because I didn't say that word right. I need to say, oh, no, I just said that word wrong too. You don't, you don't, you don't talk to them in King James English. How dost thou doest today, dearest friend of mine? I speak unto thee and say... You, you don't need any of that stuff. God doesn't need flowers. God's not from England. He doesn't speak in an English accent. 
prayer is simply talking to God and bringing your thoughts, your real ones, and your feelings to God. Sometimes they're ugly and you go, God, here. I feel so mad at that person. And so instead of just saying, I feel so mad at that person, take it to God. And I feel so mad at that person, and God, I don't know what to do with that. That's prayer. That's prayer. It doesn't have to be perfect. It's just words. You're just saying the words that you think and feel. And if you say, I don't have time to do that, just uh, how about a sentence? God, today I want to I want to live the life that you've meant for me to live. I'm going to need your help, and I, I want to love you. Teach me how to do that today. If that's all you got, God will take that. So Paul says it this way. He says, set your mind, in verse 2 of chapter 3, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. And if you don't have a moment in your day where you're, in essence, thinking about the things of God, think about heaven, you're lifting your thoughts above your circumstances, I'm going to guess that you're probably going to be low on that peace meter. That's probably what's going on inside of you. This is the third thing, is find a person to stretch my thoughts. Find a person to stretch my thoughts. So the, the brother of uh, Jesus, James, wrote a letter in the New Testament, and he said this about sin. He said, We're all, we all sin. He said, what you need to do with that is you need to confess it to God. God, I own the fact that I've done this. You need to confess it to God. But then he goes on and he says, and if you, but if you want to be healed from that sin, if you want to not struggle with it for the rest of your life, then what you need to do is find another person and confess it to them, another follower of Jesus, and confess it to them that you trust, that's not going to misuse that information, and have them pray for you so that you can be healed from that. In other words, you need other people in your life to help you think different thoughts. If you have, uh, you'll have better thoughts by being around better people. And we all want this. We all want other people to help sharpen our thoughts. In fact, the, uh, the writer of Hebrews said it this way. He said, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. In other words, life's getting harder. So you're going to need more help from some other people that are following Jesus along with you. Now, some of you in, may not know this that I'm getting ready to, to share with you. Uh, you may not have heard this before, but there was a, a, a show in the 80s uh, that was really popular, one of the most popular shows. And it had the theme song that was this. This, this was, if you turned this into a theme song, it would have gone like this. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. Ba -da -da -da. And they're always glad you came. Ba -da -da. You want to be where you can see. The troubles are all the same. You want to go where everybody knows your name. Right, it was about a bar, <laughs> right? <laughs> Cheers. But there was this. I, I, I remember thinking, like, they didn't have, the church supposed to be like that? Isn't the church supposed to be that kind of a thing? So you're going to have to find a way to be around people who, so I, I, I try to walk away from people who are negative. I don't blame them. I don't say, hey, you're being negative. Stop it. I just remove myself from the circumstance because I want to be around people who are positive. In fact, I realize that I, sometimes I think negative thoughts. If you were a couple years ago, I, I try at the beginning of the year to tell you what I'm trying to work on, what I hope God does inside of me that year. So hopefully you'll do the same thing and uh, you'll hold me accountable in doing it. A couple years ago, I said I was going to give up sarcasm and I'm still struggling with that. Right? But here's what I recognized. That that sarcasm was negativity. And it was not helping me think better thoughts. So I needed to let that go. So you have to find a person to help you stretch your thoughts. Fourth thing, fourth thing is this, is find a purpose to land my thoughts. Find a purpose to land my thoughts. I would suggest to you that the best thoughts you can have are about God and his purpose for you. In fact, the most miserable people I know 
are people who do not know why they are on this planet. So what they do is they, uh, they spew poison on other people, and one of the reasons they spew poison on other people is because they don't know why they're here. And so they're miserable about it, and they let everybody know. But what I found is when you find out uh, your purpose uh, for being on this planet, it changes how you think. So you have to find a purpose to land your thoughts. And, and I know that if, if you could hear God talk to you, here's what God would say to you. He would say, listen, let's settle yesterday. Let's wipe the slate clean. Let's think about tomorrow. Let's just get rid of it. Let's, let's, let's wipe the slate clean. Let's forgive the past. Let's find some healing for it. Let's move on with our life and move into a different future and have a different purpose for your life. And in fact, that class that we were talking, those series of classes, is four classes, one, two, three, four, step one, step one, two, three, four, of the on-ramp. It's four weeks, about an hour, uh, be 12.30 to 1.30. I'm going to teach it. Um, you can jump in at any point. You can start next week. At the end of that, you'll know if you, this should be your church home. But one of the goals of that is to help you find your purpose in life. Why are you here? I get up every morning. I, I, I don't have the same energy level every day, but when I get, I get up in the morning and I know why I'm here on this planet. I know my purpose. I'm not unclear about that. And I want you to have the same thing. And if, you'll give us, if you give us a month, um, go through that process, you'll begin to figure out why it is that God put you here on this planet. So that's the, that's the fourth thing, is find a purpose to land my thoughts. Here's the fifth thing, uh, find a power to fuel my thoughts. Find a power to fuel my thoughts. So what many of us need is we need to understand that God is actually with us and God is empowering us. Now, we talk about that, about God's spirit. We talk about God, maybe you've heard us talk about God's Holy Spirit. I don't know that I've done a good enough job as a pastor describing the Holy Spirit to you and helping you know that God is with you and uh, indwells you and empowers you. In fact, later in the year, we're going to do a series on the Holy Spirit so you can understand how God is with you at every moment, empowering you to live the life that he means for you to live. Uh, it's, a, it's transformative when you understand that. Uh, we'll talk about that. But you, you need a power to fuel your thoughts that's not you. Because you right now don't have the power to fuel your thoughts. And, and you need to open up your life to the power of the Holy Spirit. And when you do that, what you'll do is you'll begin, and that's not some weird thing, it's just saying, God, I'm open to your power being at work in my life. You'll begin to think God's thoughts. In fact, the prophet Isaiah in the Old Testament, one of my favorite passages in the Old Testament, Isaiah 55, he says this. This is um, talking from God's perspective to us. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways, your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. And when you open yourself up to the power of the Holy Spirit, what happens is God begins to share his thoughts with you. And so you begin to think higher thoughts, and you begin to rise above your circumstances, and you begin to overcome when you do that. In fact, Paul writes to the Christians in Ephesus, one of his other letters, he said, Now to him who is able to do, and this is one of the blessings of the Bible, Now to him who is able to do measurably more than all we ask or think, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Measurably more than you think. God can do immeasurably more than you think. He can give you the power to think different thoughts. Um, in fact, uh, Paul in verse 4 of Colossians 3 he says, When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. In other words, it seems like it's hidden right now, but it's going to show up one day and you're going to go, oh, oh, that's exactly what God's meant all along. I'll give you an illustration and then we'll be done. It pains me as a Cardinals fan to use it, but I will. Let's say you're a Cubs fan. 
and uh, you have the power of understanding that you belong at Wrigley Field, and you belong in the blue and the red, and you belong to those, that's, those are your people, that's your team, that's, that's who you matter to. You can take that sense of belonging anywhere that you go and not be affected, the power of that, and not be affected by the circumstances around you. So you can walk in to whatever it's called now, Cellular Field, where the White Sox play. I know it's called Cheetos Field. I have no idea what it's called now. (laughs) Guaranteed Rate Field, that's what it is. You go to Guaranteed Rate Field, surrounded by the white and the black. And guess what? These are these circumstances that if you didn't have the power of knowing who you belong to and who you matter to, You'd be overwhelmed. You'd go, I give up. I'm going to wear the black and the white. <laughs> but because you know who you belong to, you have power that enables you to rise above the circumstances that are all around you. Listen, that's a metaphor for life. You get it, right? You have things around you that you go, well, everyone else is like this. Everyone else is dressed like that. Everyone else feels this way. Everyone else thinks this way. But if you know who you belong to and you have, you're tapped into the power of God's spirit, then you have the ability to walk right through that and it doesn't even affect you because you know where your home is. You know where you belong. You've set your heart and your mind on different things. And so now that life is beginning to appear in the middle of your life right now and you are overcoming. Man, I want that for you. I want that for you. Well, would you pray with me? I want to invite you to bow your head and close your eyes if you would. This is a way of giving everyone around you a a private moment. And I invite you to to take an inventory of your thought life and uh, to see if you are indeed able to think about better things, to put your heart and your mind in a different place and receive the power of God. So God, I pray for my friends now. Uh, many of whom uh, are overwhelmed by the thoughts. They think that they have a thought in their brain that that they are stuck with it. And so, God, I pray that you would help us to see that we can have from you the power to think different thoughts. That we're not stuck. That we're not defined by the things that have happened to us. We're not defined by the thought patterns that we have right now. That we can think different things. We can be different people. We can start where you start. We can have a plan to go where you're going, and we want that. And we want your power in our life. And so uh, this is your private moment. If you say, I'm just going to ask you this every week. Uh, if you need that power, would you just slip your hand up? Just, just you saying, I need that power. All right. All right, right on. Yeah, thank you. You put those hands down. Thank you. So now, God, uh, we receive from you the power we need to think about better things. And all God's people said, amen. We leave you with a blessing every week. I invite you to stand with me if you would and uh, give you that blessing. You'll see people around you holding out their hands. It's their way of saying, uh, I'd like to receive that blessing. If you're comfortable with that, great. If you're not, that's okay too. Just receive this blessing. May you know uh, the thoughts that God has for you that the, the psalmist says there are more thoughts that God has about us than the number of sand in the seashore. He thinks great thoughts about you. May you be sent, know that you're sent now to love God, love people, and serve the world in his name. If you need to pray with someone, our prayer team's down front. Hug somebody, tell them you love them. See ya.